together in kind of honor of Palm Sunday uh, slash Passion Sunday uh, as we enter into this weekend and this time of the year, uh, which feels like it's so much later and yet still came up so quickly. Um, So wherever you are this weekend, whether you're able to join us in person on Sunday um, or maybe you're traveling uh, throughout this week and into kind of the Easter celebrations, I'm glad that you're here and I hope that we can continue to offer space uh, that is important, that is bringing us deeper into a sense of who we are, what our relationship with this idea of church and community is, um, and what the text invites us to think about. And so this week in the lectionary, there are two options of how we go about the Sunday Sermon. Uh, We are given both the passage for Palm Sunday and for what is called Passion Sunday to kind of go through the text regarding uh, Good Friday. Last year, Ryan focused on Passion Sunday and gave a great layout on Jesus's continued descent uh, to the cross through the passage in Mark about Jesus's betrayal, arrest, and death. And we haven't had an in-person service for Good Friday or Stations of the Cross in the last couple of years with the pandemic, but I definitely encourage you to take some time this week to either re-listen to that podcast, uh, which is called We Make It Holy, or to journey through the Stations of the Cross. Um, And I just want to start by naming how much I appreciate our community and the conversation time that we've been having I think it truly speaks to a depth we have within the space, and it is one that is unique in so many ways. And I appreciate the fact that we have the space to work things out uh, within and for ourselves in real time, along with the rest of our community. It's not an isolated act, and it's also not a targeted act either, meaning that there's no certain end goal of agreeing or falling in line at the end of the day. And as we've said many, many times before, our goal here is to create a starting point, to lift up what we collectively hold as truth, to say something about human dignity, our relationship with the divine, and explore what is a radical and subversive gospel. Um, so I'll go ahead and read our passage from Luke to get us started. So after he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he came near Bethany, at the place called the Mountain of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, The owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, 
And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all of the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if, though, if these people were silent, the stones would shout out. The word of the Lord. So we get in into the space um, of Palm Sunday. And right off the bat, I think there's a couple things that uh, we need to name. Um, one in which that I think this is a particularly complex idea. Palm Sunday has always been complex to me. And as a kid, I was just envious of the other kids who knew how to fold their palm into a cross and carry it around with them. Um, it always kind of felt like this piece didn't quite fit the typical narrative. Yet people were overly excited to proclaim that Jesus was king. Um, I think the whole parade of Palm Sunday, as it is sometimes more modernly portrayed, misses the point. And um, I don't see Palm Sunday as a celebration the same way it was growing up, where it basically ended up just being this prelude to the Easter experience. Um, it was this supposedly joyous moment in which, you know, Jesus came, uh, you know, he's being celebrated and recognized. And again, it just didn't quite fit into the puzzle in the way that I think I was taught. And so I want to invite us into considering the space. Honestly, I feel like I'm going to be repeating a lot of what Ryan has shared before, um, but perhaps in a different tone and a different voice. But I do think that Palm Sunday is better understood as a ritual of anticipatory grief and as a political movement. I mean, there's so much within this passage that is important to pay attention to in the political scheme. And so this week of Passover uh, was already an important event in Jewish tradition. Uh, this week, even today, is a celebration and remembrance of the Jewish journey into freedom from slavery uh, under Pharaoh. And in Jesus's time and his community, it also ushered in this space of political unrest, um, as Jews were also recognizing their current status of oppression under kind of the Roman state. And so Marcus J. Borg and John Dominic Crossan argue that this day, or at least this week in Jerusalem, would have seen two processions on opposite sides of the city. One was that of Jesus riding in on a donkey and the shirts off the disciples' backs, and the other would have been a procession for Caesar covered in glittering acknowledgement of imperial power. And there is a stark contrast and difference between what Jesus represented and the power that be. So from the get-go, we can understand this as a political protest, a nonviolent act of resistance, literally happening on either side of the city. And so in many ways, this space uh, did not separate religion and politics, and this conflict remained between imperial and prophetic power. 
And of course, we also recognize in the story that Jesus's intentional difference also comes with a tension between perhaps what was expected of Jesus's resistance and then what actually occurred. Um, you know, so many times in so many ways, uh, I think Jesus's journey and experience of even the cross gets reduced to a transaction. When in reality, we have to stop and explore uh, this whole journey that he goes on. And I think in many ways, Palm Sunday is kind of a celebration of disappointed expectations. And I want to invite us to explore this from the perspective of Jesus, um, and then also from the people who were watching. Um, Jesus kind of knowing in his mind's eye what this represented and that this was a necessary part of the puzzle um, in terms of the resistance. And he also knew the risk that this would would take and would grant um, in terms of leading towards the cross. And then at the same time, um, the marginalized desired, believed they needed a savior who would roll in with equal or greater strength than the government that oppressed them. And then instead, Jesus comes in on a donkey, palm branches waving, and a supposedly meager attempt at pushing back. Um, and I know in, in this particular translation, we don't necessarily get the words of Hosanna, but, you know, people were presented as shouting Hosanna, not as a proclamation of love, but rather a scared and desperate cry saying, save us, or more, more urgently, save now. And so the, this event of Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the end before a new beginning, but it wasn't anything of what people would expect. Rather than a glitzy show of power, replacing one regime and leader with another, instead Jesus, of course, as he does, illustrates a different way of doing things. One that takes time, one that honors grief and pain, one that ultimately focuses on the collective rather than the individual. And so there's this space of anticipatory grief um, that I think is happening for both sides, right? Uh, for Jesus' own journey as he's literally confronting his death um, and kind of a precursor event uh, before his journey and literal walk with the cross. Um, and except he uses this space to uh, paint very specific pictures um, of what he stood for and what the collective stood for. And then at the same time, I think there's this sense of collective and anticipatory grief that's occurring within the people, uh, whether they recognize it or not, that I think we sometimes are experiencing but don't necessarily have words for when we are looking in the face of oppression and marginalization. Uh, we're looking in the pictures of faces and names of people who've been subjected to violence and ultimately um, been murdered at the hands of those uh, sharing that violence. Um, and knowing that this is not going to be the end uh, of seeing that in our lifetime. And yet, of course, we hold on to a hope. Of course, we hold on to a belief that there's going to be something different in its place, that there will be this picture um, that we can hold hope with and for, uh, that this isn't going to be 
the end. But there's also this anticipatory feeling that in the meantime, um, we still see it all around us. And with that comes anxiety, um, comes depression, comes all sorts of feelings, anger um, in that aspect of the journey. And so I think painting this as both a political event and also a ritual that honors anticipatory grief is important. And I think we relate more heavily with those shouting, save us, uh, than perhaps we are willing to admit. Um, once again, I think that we're faced with confronting our desire for ease, for convenience, and honestly, even for safety. Um, all these can be goods, uh, but at the same time, uh, Jesus' death occurs because of how he revealed what was behind the curtain of the political scheme, the desires of humanity uh, that don't necessarily reflect a collective good, uh, and so much more. And yet, on every level, Jesus is consistent. From the use of the donkey that mocks Caesar's procession on the other side of town, to the ways in which his wit and word um, invited the space of non-violent resistance, I think it is truly a gift that we get this picture of Palm Sunday and that it doesn't have to just be this precursor to Easter. In fact, that misses the whole point. Um, you know, I think it's so important within the church calendar to honor Good Friday and even Holy Saturday, because I think it makes so much more space for our human experience. There's so much action that happens on Friday. There's so much action that happens on Sunday. Um, but there's a silence and an absence that happens on Holy Saturday that we have to honor too. Um, and I think this also creates space for what is not easily solved in our lives, whether that is trauma or um, journeys with mental health or other things that um, just aren't easily solved. Um, it creates it creates that space. And we could talk more about that on Sunday as well. Um, but you know, there's another detail in terms of why Jesus points out to the disciples to take on this whole cult donkey ordeal. And you know, we get different language um, in the other gospels that represent uh, this story. Um, a couple, I believe in Matthew, where it actually says Jesus is riding a donkey and a cult at the same time. Um, and John Dominic Croson, who I mentioned earlier, has an interesting take on this whole ordeal, um, where it says he wants two animals, a donkey with her little colt beside her, and that Jesus rides them in the sense of having them both as part of his demonstration's highly visible symbolism. In other words, Jesus does not ride a stallion or a mare, a mule or a male donkey, or not even a female donkey. He rides the most unmilitary mount imaginable, a female nursing donkey with her little colt trotting along beside her. Um, and I think like that is, that is so important to name, especially in understanding this as a huge juxtaposition to what was happening on the other side of town. Um, if you need a clear picture of how different 
uh, Jesus's take on the world and his take on what it meant to um, organize, I think that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, and so, again, like Jesus is so comfortable with, with taking some of these risks. And comfortable, of course, doesn't mean that he necessarily accepted it at all times or didn't struggle with it. Uh, but he was willing to go into this space. And in fact, he was taking increasingly large risks to show the contrast between what the status quo was, uh, where Herod was king, and the kingdom of the divine, uh, of God, and of what he's calling us into. And I think where we put the focus is important. Is it the act or is it the impact that necessarily holds the subversive power? Um, and we see kind of displayed throughout this whole thing um, that both are important, but the impact is what has also brought um, this piece to be so impactful in terms of our church calendar and church tradition. And again, just to kind of go back into one of the things I was naming earlier, I think we do have to be honest with ourselves um, that there are many times perhaps where it would be easier to have a God who made things easier for us. Um, there are so many churches who are skipping ahead to Easter, to the big win, posting all of their marketing for this event and ignoring what it took to get there. Um, I think there are sometimes in some spaces that no matter how deconstructed uh, our picture of God is, sometimes um, there's something within us that maybe wants a God of our own making um, that will show up in the ways that we need to so we can feel safe and secure, um, march in parades that we're uh, holding ourselves as confident with our heads held high, um, that we can wield our power like we own the place um, in the face of those who, who do. And in reality, right, we get such a different picture and understanding of Jesus, um, but one that is so much more powerful in the end, one that wields grace and humility, um, one that uses the power of the people, um, one that is perfectly content with grassroots movements and uh, the shirts off of people's backs to make a statement, one that does not need glitz uh, to dress up uh, the fallacies of their teaching, one does not need to put on a huge show with flashing lights um, to cover up whatever politics might be hiding within the church doors. Um, it is simple, it is beautiful, it is hard, it is good. Um, this is the space that we hope to honor. Um, this is the space that also encourages us um, to, to pursue a life of resistance, to pursue space that honors grief in real time, uh, that doesn't skip ahead to Easter Sunday, um, but seeks to live in the messy and the raw, um, even if we understand the difficult end game ahead. And in the end, I don't think it comes down to being able to shout Hosanna in the highest for a savior who's going to make our problems go away. In the end, it doesn't come down to a big show with effects that distract from the real issues behind the stage. 
in the end, the end game is a subversive, nonviolent, radical view of human dignity, of uplifting the oppressed, and the good news of solidarity rather than dominion. I think this does move us towards an idea of what it means to rise in love, something that we will get the space to celebrate next Sunday. Uh, but we can't forget the process of the in-between, the liminal, the crucifixion, the isolation, the grief. Um, and I think it's interesting to bring back to mind uh, something that I've mentioned before of what it means to literally begin with the end in mind. Um, I think it was so beautiful of how in the book we've been reading Wholehearted Faith, Rachel Held Evans goes into uh, this piece about telos, um, right at the end of her book, telos meaning uh, the end, but not an end uh, that is necessarily marked with period, end of book, end of statement. Uh, it's not a dead end, uh, but it does create and mark something so that way we can move forward into something else. And if we begin with the end of the cross in mind, um, I think then we might be able to give new space and new meaning to Palm Sunday. One that, you know, isn't just palms being waved in the air and um, pretending what words might have been filled in on uh, that event, um, but truly tries to grasp at something greater that is reflecting true love, true embodiment of belonging um, as we move forward. And so uh, I came across this kind of blessing um, this week as I was working through some different things. Um, and I thought it was so, so beautiful to acknowledge that, la that language of Hosanna um, as safe, save us. Um, it says, blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of our God, the one who is willing to wrestle with us along the way so that we might catch a glimpse of the face of God. Hosanna, save us. Save us from our distractions. Hosanna, save us. So that we wounded ones might create a pathway capable of carrying us beyond the darkness. That is just a small piece of it, and I will post more of it on the page as well. Um, but I think what I'm trying to get at in this whole mumbo-jumbo of the podcast this week, apologies uh, to you all and thanks for hanging in with me, um, is that there's something about the end game uh, that we're, we can become distracted by, uh, whether it's the computers in our pockets um, or the difficulties of just that day um, or the big, huge challenges that face us and can sometimes paralyze us. Uh, we want to recognize and honor the messy space, the raw, um, the cloaks that are thrown down on the dirt so that these colt's little feet uh, wouldn't get too dirty. These simple acts that are indeed powerful in and of themselves. Uh, so we'll talk more about kind of what Palm Sunday 
represents uh, for us as a community and for you individually how we might um, kind of move our, our focus a little bit. Um, and then also if there are other things that have stuck out to you or different takes on this day uh, that have become important to you, we want to kind of create the space for that on Sunday. Um, and hopefully something was new and stuck out. Uh, and if not, that's okay too. We can rest in a kind of closing perhaps of, of still this idea of gentle Lent as we enter into Holy Week. Um, that we don't always have to do really, really hard things. Um, it's okay to also take the time and the space to just sit in what is comfortable, but we don't want to stay there either. So, uh, again, all that to say, I'm excited to join with you all in conversation on Sunday. Um, really looking forward to it as we move into Holy Week, and we'll have a whole bunch of resources available um, if you want to dive more into this week's practices as well. So, to close, um, as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm.